Welcome to the Kinky Cast, a sexually explicit podcast. If you are under 18 years of age, stop the podcast now. You are listening to a weekly publication produced every Friday morning. The Kinky Cast is heard in over 150 countries. This week's episode is 243. In our weekly exploration in the kinky world of BDSM and alternative relationships, views expressed are not representative of the management of the Kinky Cast. We welcome guests with opposing viewpoints. Today, we present Scarlet Ross, Money and Polly. Don't forget to stop by our webpage for loads of information about this show and others. KinkyCast.com. Here's your hosts, Woody and the Beast. Thanks, Max, and welcome to another edition of the Kinky Cast. Sitting next to me is the Beast. Hey, Woody. You should see more of me in the coming weeks. Well, I'm going to see a lot of you. We have a lot of shows to do here. We do, don't we? Yes, and tonight we have a really interesting show. We have invited back to the cast after many years a lovely woman named Scarlett Ross. And I'll say Scarlett's going to be talking about very taboo subjects. That's right. (laughs) Kinky, Polly, and money. No, the name of the show is Money and Polly, which is uh, two things that don't normally mix together like oil and water. Scarlett, what do you think about that? I think oil and water is the least um, least aggressive way of describing it. Um, I've heard it described as as uh, an alchemist nightmare. Um, it, it it isn't something that anybody's taught to talk about. Just like we're not taught to talk about sex either, um, and we really should be because we need consent in our money, just like we need consent in our our play. Um, and we're not getting it. We're making all sorts of assumptions. It's getting us in trouble. Um, and I think it's one of those areas that we can negotiate. We can use all those negotiation skills that we've learned and really turn this to our advantage because there are some definite benefits to working as a community. There are, and especially as the family members get older, And some are more able to work and some are less able to work and some are more able to do other tasks. So division of work and division of money becomes a big thing. Well, Woody, I would say with this younger group, uh, home purchasing is becoming such a complex, expensive issue. Obstacle course. (laughs) Yes, it is. (laughs) That I see more and more uh, interesting arrangements happening on home purchase. Uh, people that have no relationship bound homes together. So, yeah, they're roommates with quotes. Uh, you are the expert, though, Scarlett. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. <laughs> well, we know what an expert is, right? All right, let me have your definition. Well, uh, X is a has been, and a, and a spurt is a leak under pressure. Yes, that would be me. <laughs> I, I have a slight variant on that. X is an unknown quantity and spurt is a drip under pressure. But uh, yes. Okay. okay. Thing. Yeah. Scarlett, you've been around in the kink and poly scene for a while. Right. How long? Long enough to know better. Um, somewhere, <laughs> somewhere in the range of about 24, 25 years. You have certainly seen a lot of aspects come and go. Absolutely. Yes. I look at some of the constellations that have been formed by especially the younger poly members that seem to go on forever. I know that my constellation is small, compact, and consistent as opposed Mm -hmm. to big and ever-changing. What does your own constellation look like, Scarlett, if I can be nosy? 
You can totally be nosy. Um, my constellation tends to be a lot more like yours, where it's I have sort of a small core of uh, two adult males that I live with, and then a partner who lives out of the home, and they have a partner. Um, that forms my core. But then I have sort of extended family um, that are my kinky and poly family from two decades, two or three decades of, of doing this. And that begins to be more in the range of about 30 people. Um, but they don't change a lot. And I have seen different styles of relationships. And I think that's where some of this comes from is my style of relationship is if I, if I fall in love with you, I basically fall in love with you forever. Um, so I don't tend to have short relationships. That's not true for everybody. That's not satisfying for everybody. Um, so they build these relationships based on what you need and they're building the structures around them based on what they need as well. So as we're aging, we're definitely looking more for how is this affecting our permanence? How can we support each other? When we have more needs than woohoo, we're 20 and I'm invincible, which I wish I were still, but I'm not. Uh, <laughs> and um, I look at all the different groupings and I think for me, this is the happiest place, but not everybody's like that. What works for one person certainly may not work for another. And um, it's not quite like buying shoes, but at least they're labeled with their size. Uh, mm-hmm. With these, we don't know what size we want. And uh, we get into a relationship and things just don't fit. They don't function correctly and we adjust and move on. That's one of those challenges is we talk about money as if it's a one-time thing, but just like consent, it's constantly negotiated. So if people move into my house, because I have had other partners who lived here for five to seven years, um, and then they exited the house under various circumstances, we, when they, we moved them in, we sat down and had a huge family meeting. There was wine involved and we had this <laughs> discussion about what are your triggers? What are your, your concerns? What are you worried about? And then also, how do you want to exit this? Because for instance, one of my partners has been here, um, in the home. He's not on the mortgage for 15 years. If he left, and and didn't get part of the investment in the home, he would be bereft of some of his money, essentially. We would be screwing him out of his percentage of the mortgage. And so we sat down and figured out what that looked like. What does it take for somebody to exit our relationship? And you need to update things like that from year to year. And uh, Scarlett, um, this isn't something that you sat down with on the first date or the second date or the or the probably the twentieth. But for you, when does this conversation take place? Um, that's actually funny because on the very first date I had my my new love, she and I sat down and I she said, "Okay, well, we're going to go to dinner." And I said, "Great, we need to have a conversation because I intend to keep you." I think this is great, um, but I carry my own weight. And so dinner tonight is Dutch unless you have a, an overwhelming need to buy me dinner. But that is not my expectation. My expectation is that I pay my own way. 
So I actually did have that conversation on the first date. You had the mini version of it. So I had you, the absolute mini version. So you open the door. Does that take some of the romance out of it to be so independent? That's interesting. Hmm. I think for some people it could. And for me, it is challenging. Like this is the hard conversation for me. Um, but I also find it very romantic to be free of obligation, to find that there are fewer responsibilities and more choices of diving into this relationship, if that makes sense. That does. And it's very freeing at that point. Mm -hmm. I, I have a great love of, you know, not talking about this. <laughs> Um, I grew up in the South where you didn't discuss how much money was put on the table. You didn't. Um, my stepfather never let me see him paying the bill. He still won't talk money with me. And I'm not a chickling anymore. I was raised to believe that we would lose that mystique. But for me, it also brought in an element of strength. And it's turned into quite a good conversation. Well, I can certainly see an independence that goes with it. And, you know, that way people are not completely codependent unless it's negotiated that mm -hmm. there is some dependence in there. But then everybody knows what page you're on instead of getting a, a, an anger because assumptions are being made. Absolutely. And and it's frustrating. But Well, I won't say frustrating. It's um, much easier for me. Because I have a source of income and I can pay for my dinner. Um, but if I were in a situation where I don't have the money to buy the concert tickets that people want to go see, then I have to have the strength to say, that's not going to be possible for me or that's not within my budget. And so there's a great deal of personal responsibility there that doesn't always feel great. And when there's an inequity in incomes things can get really touchy. Yes, that was that was that was what I was going to ask about. Not not everybody makes the same and not everybody's flow is even and uh, sometimes it surges and sometimes it ebbs. That must bring some some dependency into the relationship at some point. I think it brings a dependency that you communicate and that you express how that reliance is going to happen. Because if you make the assumption, well, this person makes more money, therefore they're just going to buy dinner. Um, it can build resentment, um, even in people for whom that's been negotiated. If it's been happening over, you know, a year and the person who is the um, unequal earner or the, the smaller earner, if they are taking what money they do have and Buying things that you're not comfortable with or you wish they had spent it in a different way, there begins to be this mix of expectation and needs and outlining what should and shouldn't happen. And that begins to creep into I'm proscribing how you're supposed to spend your money. And maybe that's our dynamic. Maybe what needs to happen is I actually need to be in charge of all the money. Um, but we sat down and, and I think the first three discussions we had had no numbers at all. And 
the discussions are all about fear. What are you afraid of? And how do you address that inequity? In our home, one of my partners is not a parent. He's not the parent for my child. So splitting the utilities and the bills equally among the three of us didn't feel exactly fair because of that and because he doesn't earn as much. So we said, all right, what would feel fair? And and I say this number a lot. Um, an adult in my house pays seven twenty-fourths of the bills. Now there was okay, that <laughs> is a, carving a, it down. That's an interesting fraction. <laughs> There's a lot of negotiation that went into that fraction, but you have a you have a kink around numbers, <laughs> don't you? Uh, I didn't before I started this. <laughs> I didn't, um, but I definitely, at this point, I do to some point because it gives us all safety. I can tell you to the penny what's in my bank account, and if we have no money, great. We have food in the larder, which is one of the ways that we support members who um, are having a tough time or unequal earning. She is a southern girl. She has a larder. <laughs> I caught that. I caught that. Um, I also have a pantry, so I have both. It's over, overachieving now. Yes. Yes, yes. How do you establish the, the household's standard of living? Oh, that's a very, a very good question. The household standard of living is based on um, a family meeting where we set the budget. And the basics, the absolute bare basics are utilities and rent or utilities and mortgage. And then past that, we begin to say what is necessary, what is wanted and what are our priorities as a family. And we base our budget on our priorities. Is it important that we have a larder? And that's important to me. So I lobbied for a slightly larger food budget. Is it important that we go on vacations? That's not so important to the other two people, but it was for me. So the way that fell out was I take vacations on my own money. Okay. So everybody has their own pool of money beyond the uh, household contribution. Yes. yes. Uh, because I know the standard of living is a really complex thing. I've got an adult stepchild living with us, and she has this terrible habit of premium brand items and <laughs> and we are you know uh the store brand if it's uh, just as good we go with the store brand mm -hmm. so there's this frustration with her on uh because she's not paying any other bills on spending this money on on premium items that and uh the rest of the house is existing on something less Less snazzy, now. less snazzy, just as tasteful, <laughs> but just less, less snazzy. So right. the this whole um, standard of living thing, I know, is very complicated. Are you are you helping to pay for the items that she's buying? Yes. Okay, then you get a say. That is that's that's my opinion. My 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 partner's a little more. Uh, well, she's the mother. I'm the stepfather. So. There's that dynamic too. 
Well, there's also you get a say, but you don't necessarily you can't control someone else's behavior either. That's true. They'll tell you that. <laughs> if my if my family doesn't like how I'm spending money or spending the budget for food, then um, their options are spend it themselves and take me out of the equation or sit down and have a communicated conversation with me. Um, we've been, been doing this for 15 years at this point, though, and they know what my patterns are, and they, they seem to be okay with it. Well, you, you've fallen into the groove. Yeah. So they know where you're going to go, and, and you kind of understand where they're going to go, which is a nice thing because it's kind of an autopilot until all of a sudden one day somebody picks up a new habit. Mm-hmm. Surprise, yeah. Surprise. Um, finding that out is not comfortable. Finding out that you can actually spend money on the Netflix account from the comfort of your couch and get that sudden bill at the end of the month. Yeah. And surprise. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, hence the reason that, that all of my uh, cable buy it buttons are carefully coded with uh, passwords that only I know. Right. And for my own comfort, we had to, we have to keep money separate between um, me and one of my husbands because he spends money in ways that is uncomfortable for me. And if I have to pay for it, I get angry. I work really hard for my money and I'm very particular about how I spend it. But that means that there's that distance there and that we have to work it going around that barrier. And that's difficult because there's kind of an emotional thing there. And, you know, if I were doing it, I'd do it this way and I wouldn't spend money on that, yada, yada, yada. And and the key word is I, I, I. Mm -hmm. And they are doing something that they're feeling that they're okay with. And the truth is I'm using I language because I'm the one uncomfortable. It's not that you're doing something wrong. It's that I'm uncomfortable. It's hard in that because you, I, I want my partner to do well and I have very strong opinions about what that looks like. And if it's going to impact me, I get to draw that line, but I also have to backpedal and be really careful of my language because it feels judgmental. And sometimes, you know, we'll try and have a conversation and it just feels so much like, there's a right and a wrong in my opinion. And he feels like I'm the mom telling him what to do. And so we set up this dynamic that we didn't want. I, you know, so then we have to take a deep breath and <laughs> revisit what's really important. And, and that is that everybody gets free say. And I have two hats. That's one of the ways that I solve it. My Chatelaine hat or the hat for the house manager is really cut and dried. You owe the house $200. You don't owe me $200. You owe the house $200. In this case, you're the casino, the house. Yes. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And the house always wins. (laughs) Right. Exactly. And that's a, a verbal trick. But it does distinguish the difference there between me as a person and you as the person living in the house, we're equals because I also will occasionally owe the house. 
And I use that language very clearly as well. But then, you know, when we go on a date, if I want to go on a date and my partner doesn't have the funds, I choose whether or not I can afford to carry them. Mm -hmm. If you've been doing it for years, it can begin to feel like an obligation. Um, when a partner goes from feeling are working full time or earning full time, maybe they stop and follow their passion and everybody wants them to follow that. Maybe they're injured and not able to work at the level that they were able to work previously. Now you have a difference that's new. And a renegotiation occurs. Mm-hmm. Well, I have a situation where uh, I have a live-in partner, wife, and house money, and then mm-hmm. I have external partners. Mm-hmm. And so then there's the question of how much house money is leaving to take them out on a date. Right. Especially if you're having partners outside the house and your in-house partner is not. Right. Because then the inequity gets to become sort of, it can become outrageous. Um, so trying to keep that in balance and budgeted and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Do you have a budget for dates? <laughs> I have a figure that I like to try to stay within. Okay. For us, it is, since we have individual money, my money is never going to pay for someone else's date. That being said, I have, in fact, given other people money and said, please, for the love of all that is holy, go away. (laughs) Go have fun. You really love this concert. Please go do this thing. But the house doesn't pay for anything related to that, related to dates. So the house has become uh, a separate entity in the relationship. And that happens for us to be functional because we cohabitate and not cohabitating changes things. Yeah, it really does. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, certainly. My partner of four years does not habitate with us, and so that's a interesting situation. And my ex-partner of 15 years did to habitate, so it's always external money and swapping mm-hmm. money, and it just gets complicated sometimes. Who's paying for what and and who wants what? You are in a city that's rather known for its polyculture. <laughs> yes. So what are some of the other configurations you have seen? Um, other configurations I've seen are uh, solo poly, sub, living with, because I am kinky and poly both, living independently. So this, this woman was living independently and a married couple living in, in, a, in their own home. Um, so I've seen that where there's an independent person at a much different income level. In that case, I've seen a lot of emotional energy going to, you know, designing dates that don't cost a lot so that the person who earns less can feel and contribute to the dating energy at an equal level. I've seen households of four adults, five adults. Um, and four kids of mixed parentage. That could get complicated. Who's paying for whose medical bills? Yeah, and and are any of the uh, parental figures outside of the relationship? 
Yes, one of the parents was outside. That was an interesting thing to negotiate, especially with yeah. split custody. Oh, yeah, they they worked it out in a in a a way that is multiple layers. There are multiple layers of how they do things, but there's a budget, and the children are taken care of by the people who feel like they can contribute. And there are people within the home, and I've had people within my home who didn't have outside cash-paying jobs um, who still contributed at a fair and reasonable rate. So, for instance, one of our partners um, became unemployed, and it takes a certain amount of work, you know, balancing the accounts, doing the grocery shopping, doing the cooking. And we agreed on a list of things, and we agreed on an hourly rate, and then that person does it <laughs> in order to earn their keep, basically. So they become employee of the house. Yeah. Yes. Hmm. Which is great when they do it. <laughs> uh, yeah, there, there's uh, a little yeah, smile there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, and 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 that brings us to a to the point of what happens when everything falls apart and there's an exit or or worse there has to be a forced division that occurs and it's got a financial component. Well, breakups are hard. Um at any time. <laughs> at any time. Forced. I'm I'm curious about that word. Uh, dare I say an eviction for a non-payment. An eviction for for inability to properly contribute. That gets into did you have a firm clear agreement and have you had all the discussions about failure to meet obligations? And then there's got to be a, a a line in the sand. We can't financially afford for someone else to do the work and you get paid for it. That's stealing. That's not okay. This, this is the house talking, right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I'm sorry. You can't see me switch hats here. It's interesting when you say that because it is. it has to be the house talking, not you. Yes. And that that's hard to separate. And so maybe multiple people have to speak it mm -hmm. because they're all representing the house at that point. Right. And, and part of it is you have to have that house speaking because then you're taking the personal relationships out of it and it becomes a business relationship. Mm -hmm. And even in households where there's um, MS relationships going on and financial situations involved where that has been negotiated, it can still turn upside down. And in that situation, disentangling the personal from the financial is harder because you don't have that distance. Yeah. And so we, we talk about the house having a discussion with this person that's due to be evicted. Then you have the personal emotional ties that go with it. Uh, between one and or more people, that could get very messy. And you say things that you really don't want to say, but you have discussions when you're upset. That's never a good choice. And in all the the ways that it can go bad, you can end up, oh, I don't know. We'll pick an example out of a hat, shall we? Oh, this <laughs> is, I, I, I get the feeling this is totally random. Yes. Totally random. Mm -hmm. um, say, for instance, you had a car and your partner 
Metamore had a need for a car and you had an agreement written to sell this car. And three or four months later, uh, the partner leaves the situation and just decides not to pay for it. And still has it. Yes. Hmm. See, that's uh, Grand Theft Auto at some point. <laughs> it wasn't that great a car. Let me be clear. <laughs> and that segues into something, though. We do have things like titles and bank accounts and and passcodes and all of that. And those are dangerous things if yes. somebody exits. Uh, we, we we hear about the the enraged spouse all the time draining the bank account. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What is your motto about juggling those uh, those things about uh, ownership and assets? Well, I, I will say about the car and the, it was it's a vastly simplified example. There were a lot of elements in that, but as far as the car and and bank accounts and passcodes. Um, I don't gamble with anything I'm not willing to lose. And I'm not willing to lose, say, my savings account, which has my medical stuff and all that in it. So nobody else is on that. My solution is to complicate matters beyond belief and have 17 bank accounts. Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> Repeat that number yeah, again? Yeah, whoa. <laughs> How uh, uh, the, the 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 memo balances and the and balancing the <laughs> the the numbers every month? No, thank you. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you actually, but it means that we don't fight about money. Well, it also means that you have a great sense of security, since basically, yeah. Uh, is there any case where two people have access to a single account? Yes, yes. So there are some cases of that. Yes, there are some cases. Um, my legal husband and I have joint accounts um, for probably four of them. And then it's a little unfair because I also manage another, uh, an elderly parent's accounts as well. Um, and hers have to be separate. But for us, everybody has their, their personal pool of money. But if it's joint money, Everyone has access to it. So, for instance, the food budget and buying those items that are brand name. Um, there's a card that lives uh, by the back door in my house, and it has everybody knows what the the pin on it is, and it has X amount of money every two weeks, and that's it. Prepaid that's card, it. yeah, that's a good idea. You can. Go to the grocery store. Absolutely. You can get those high-priced stuff. But when the money runs out, I do not just magically refill it because there isn't an, uh, you know, a vast store of money. So this is where your larder comes in at. <laughs> yes. Um, but also, I have been known to order a very nice dinner in <laughs> when someone emptied the account. I'm a little, a little vindictive. Zing. Yeah. And I I I didn't uh let them go hungry, but I did say, what are we gonna do? Because we've got another week and now there's no money and we need to stretch this. Sometimes guilt is a good learning tool. It is. But for it's some a people, hard learning tool. But it's for some learning. people it never works. Yeah. <laughs> True. 
Uh, consequences, though. I have someone who is a psychologist who who is constantly reminding me that positive reinforcement is actually the best way to do things. So for a while, I took somebody took over the money for about three years, and we would go grocery shopping together for the first three or four months, and I taught her how I did things. And then she did them differently and I didn't like it. And then I learned, oh, wait, she's actually saving us money in some areas. It's just not the areas I was saving money in. And and sometimes you have to let go of it. Yeah. Sometimes you have to figure out, is it worth the stress? Mm -hmm. And if it's under 20 bucks in my world, I just don't keep track of it. Well, uh, unfortunately, we're we're very similar in the cases and I, I see People, you know, trying to alter the shopping habits, and it's it's hard, and and there's there is a resentment because I've set up a pattern, and you know, uh, I can save this much when I shop every week, and and all those things, and then all of a sudden somebody will do it differently, and it doesn't matter whether it's good, bad, or indifferent; it's just different. It's not the way I do it, damn it. Right, and I'm old enough to have to be set in my ways. I get that. <laughs> I get that. It's got to be done by way, and if not, it's wrong. And I I set some really clear limits. Like in my household, we don't buy soda. It's expensive, and it's not good for us. And so one of the things is your priorities should guide what you're doing. Well, one of the priorities is happy people, healthy people for us. And soda is not good for any of us. So mm-hmm. it needs to be a distinct choice. So I don't enable everybody. I just made an announcement. I said, this is my logic. This is my reasoning. I'm not going to buy it anymore. If you want it, go get it. Yeah, and that's fair enough. And especially if you sat down and you all agreed on it, then you have the basis to do that. Mm -hmm. But having that discussion, having that discussion, sitting down, the first date, the beast, what did you say? The first date, the 10th date, the the 20th 20th date, yeah. Yeah, uh, well, Polly is a progressive thing. You, uh, over time, you, you establish a connection. Like any, any lasting relationship is, you might know it's going to be last good in the, on the first date, but you're not sure until a year later. Right. And I look at it and I keep having conversations again. I mean, every time you hit a life change, Like, my son is in college. What does that mean for us financially? And there's a lot of shame that comes with, I don't want to disclose the fact that I don't earn a lot of money. It's shameful, just like I don't want to disclose my STI status. It can be really weighty, and we're not comfortable having that conversation. Display it to whom? To people that I want to interact with, people that I want to go out with. Future potentials. Future potentials. I still don't share my money stuff with friends. And I actually went through a time period where I practiced saying out loud at the end of a meal, well, lunch costs me $9.32 today. I'm going to have $32 till Monday. And I said it out loud on purpose so that I would get over the shock of saying it. Yeah, I, I guess I do the same thing in my head. But uh, saying it out loud is rather freeing. You know, <laughs> liberating. 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 Yeah. That's a, liberating. That's a, that's a better word. So what's in the future? In the future for me, um, trying financially, you mean? 
financially in your house? I mean, do you have future future goals? Uh, we definitely have future goals of, uh, you know, buying property together um, with my partner who does not cohabitate. I'm peaking. I'm sort of eavesdropping on people who are currently buying houses together um, and watching them plan that. And my big thing is have an exit strategy. You know, can we buy somebody out if they need to leave? Now, that that is a huge burden when you think about that, because you're talking about thousands of dollars that come out of nowhere quickly. Right. And I live in a very privileged middle white class way that I can talk about that. And if I didn't have a tiny savings account, you know, I would have to figure out a way to pay somebody because I don't have enough to pay the, the husband who's been here 15 years. I'd have to sell the house or set up a payment schedule. Or refinance, and banks love, love to hear that story. They love it. Yeah. Hey, but, but then you're also involving the house again, you know, the, the all the members. And, mm-hmm. you know, okay, uh, we need to buy out a member, and here's what it's going to cost, and everybody's got to sign up for the program, and it may cost you more every month, and all those things that go with it. If they're not involved in the relationship or um, they're not invested in it, it's going to feel like another burden, not just financial. It smells like a death that I had in the family with one of my grandparents, and it all went horribly wrong when the property was divided. And it, it's the same sort of thing. You know, somebody has to buy out somebody. There, there's houses for sale and, you know, the whole thing. And it's tough. It's just, you know, and there's resentment that lasts forever in some cases. And that's the piece that you want to avoid. And sometimes talking about it up front helps. And knowing that you are afraid of X, Y, and Z being hungry, in my case, as you can tell by my larder in my pantry, whatever it is, but what is it that's important at the end of the day? And what, what can you invest in the relationship literally? Okay, I've got to stop you here. For the people north of the Mason-Dixon line and in other countries, tell us what a larder is. <laughs> a larder is a a uh, cool storage often where you would put um, aside large amounts of beans and cheeses and um, lard where you would store your dairy products particularly, but to be able to get through the winter. It's not your, you know, what I'm cooking with today, it's in two months I'm going to need that. My grandmother had one in Northern California, and she called it the cooler (laughs) because the climate was considerably cooler than certainly the South, but (laughs) it had a open screen to the outside world 24-7, and it would Mm. be cool. It wasn't a refrigerator. It was just Mm -hmm. naturally cool place to put things. Well, ours was, was, was a root cellar. Yeah. Yes, that's the other one. Uh, usually, a, a very deeply buried corner of the basement. Was mm-hmm. Constant there. temperature. Yeah. Yeah. Constant temperature and and long term storage when you're not freezing things. Scarlett, I want to thank you for coming on the show tonight to talk about this rather taboo subject, and we haven't even mentioned sex. We haven't mentioned sex. Who pays for the condoms? Seriously? Yeah. yeah. Oh, you can get <laughs> and if them. you have an expensive lube uh, preference. Yeah. Premium lube. Premium lube. <laughs> yeah. 
a good uh, thing that Frolicon comes around once a year and you can well, stock I'll up find on stuff. A quart of WD forty goes a long way. There you go. <laughs> yeah, good old ten forty there. Well, yeah, for some reason, don't have repeat partners. Either, so. <laughs> I don't know. I can't imagine why. Yep. And those inner tubes you're using for uh, condoms, but yeah. so. This is uh, this conversation could go on and, and off into the ditch, um, I might add. The key word here is communication. Still and always. Um, and being really uncomfortable. Uh, I, I think that's the key thing. If I could just say, get comfortable with being uncomfortable. You know, you're going to have to say unhappy things. I have limits. I can't financially do all of these things. My priorities drive that. But when your priorities are different than somebody else's, even if you love them, you're going to have to find a middle ground. As opposed to putting your hands over your ears and go, no, 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 no. Which is much more fun, but not as effective <laughs> because it will bite you in the ass eventually. It will definitely come into a disastrous end. And so just like we talk about consent we, uh, this is something that you have to consent to and get on board with it and make it happen. Thank you again Thank you, so much for joining us tonight. You are a wealth of information, and we would like to have you back a lot sooner than we did last time. Ah, I would love that now that now that I'm back in the rhythm of things. All right. If if we pry you away from the seventeen bank accounts, <laughs> any day of the week, I actually hate it, but it solves my problems. Um, definitely money is a consent issue and not giving consent, acknowledging it and renegotiating it is a huge issue. Yes, it is. All right. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you very much. Bye. You have been listening to episode 243 of the Kinky Cast. For more information about this show, go to kinkycast.com. The Kinky Cast is a production of Rooster in the Round. On behalf of all our kinky crew, I'm Max. Join us next week when we present Race Bannon, gay rights icon. <laughs> <laughs>